Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, January 12, 2016, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Mercury is retrograde until January 25th, and you can look that up online if you're not familiar with the best ways to navigate that. The next Pleiadian lineup will be in May of 2016, and we have a few spots left for our ninth Starseed Crystal Quest to Arkansas, which starts May 15th through the 21st. This is a reunion of a particular soul family, which we call the Crystal Soul Family, and it's identified by having at least one of these six star markings, either natal or progressed, 25, 26, or 27 degrees in Taurus, Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, Capricorn, and Cancer. This soul group has the rites of passage where crystals are concerned, and when they come together in Arkansas, magical things happen. If you feel the call of the crystals and you aren't sure if you have the markings, I'll be glad to take a quick look at your charts and let you know. Just send me your complete birth info with the date, exact time, place, as well as your current location, and write to crystals, that's plural, crystals, at starseedhotline.com. Our guest this evening has just written a book that Lavendar is giving an enthusiastic two thumbs up. Her name is Sarah Chamberlain, but her online name is Sarah Starfire. Her mission is to help other starseeds unlock their star origins and help them better understand themselves and their physical, mental, and spiritual struggles. To this goal, she uses many spiritual and metaphysical talents, including clairvoyance, healing, writing, and art. As a professional psychic at Hawaii's foremost metaphysical store, Sedona, Hawaii, she offers classes in tarot, intuitive development, tea leaf reading, and starseed classes. Her lifelong experiences with extraterrestrials began at a young age and has contributed to her understanding of starseed missions. Her new book, Starseed's Intro, Manual and Handbook, helps put the pieces together in a masterful way. Until her new website is up, you can find her on Facebook as Sarah Starfire. At the top of the show, it's the Starseed News with Anastasia, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we'd like to thank Vanya and Tammy for hosting the Switchboard this evening. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com. And special thanks, as always, go to Tammy for her dedication to our forum. You can download our show podcasts on iTunes or right from our Blog Talk Radio episode page using the cloud with an arrow icon. We'd appreciate your support of our show, and you can do that by clicking follow on our show page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. Remote healing sessions for people and pets are also available with Tammy. 
If you have a birthday coming up, don't miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And then if you want a stage two interpretation of that solar return chart, please make sure you order at least two or three months ahead of your birthday to make sure you get it before the 10 hours starts. So first this evening, I would like to introduce Anastasia. Good evening, Ariel. Good evening, Lavendar, Starseed listeners. It's great to be back. Boy, is it cold in my neck of the woods, I'll tell you what. (laughs) How is it down your way, Ariel? Well, for Atlanta, it's pretty dang cold. Oh, man. (laughs) Well, it is winter. This (laughs) this happens to be January 12th of 2016, and so we're going to start out our news, like always, about the sun. Now, there's almost no chance of flares right now. Solar activity is very low, and they say likely to remain so for the next day or so. NOAA forecasters estimate a 5% chance of M flares and no more than a 1% chance of X flares, so it's pretty quiet up there. Now, the current moon phase is waxing crescent. It's 10% of full. I mention that because I just came in from the outside, and it's so pretty in the sky, that white sliver hanging up there. Now, the next full, uh, full moon was called the full wolf moon. It will occur on January 23rd is when the moon will turn into its full phase. Well, our top news of the week is surprising to me. I know a little bit, quite a bit, actually, about Siberia, uh, being somewhat invested in shamanism, but here's a story that one who thinks of uh, the history of Siberia as not being the one I'm going to share with you today. Uh, The headline reads, it comes from Sputnik News, by the way, the headline says, Siberian scientists are one step closer to building a faster optical computer. What? Well, the fact is is that Russia is developing the subarctic region of Siberia very rapidly, building cities up there and so on. So they are beginning to populate Siberia, and they have a science center up there. So it's called the Siberian Institute of Geology and Mineralogy, and scientists from that institute may have succeeded in growing modified diamonds. In fact, it's a step closer to faster computers that will run on light. Now, optical computing, also called photonic computing, uses photons and light beams to transfer information rather than using a slower electric current. The Institute's director said, I quote, We have learned to grow diamond crystals with germanium defect centers. This material is key to building next-generation computers, so-called photon computers, end quote. Now, processors in optical computers would run around 10 million times faster than in existing digital computers. Mm-hmm. Siberian scientists can now insert germanium atoms into the diamond lattice, which is its crystal structure, composed of carbon atoms to create germanium centers, and this will allow microchips to run on light. Whoa, that's amazing. Wow. Wow. And in our society news section, we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on out there in our world. Mm, Something going on in Michigan. Critics are calling for Flint, Michigan's governor to resign or to be arrested over contaminated water. Now, emails show that high-ranking officials in Michigan were aware of elevated lead levels in Flint's water six months 
before the state of emergency was declared. Now, calls are mounting for the governor to resign or to face criminal charges. Internal emails were obtained by a news service that were written by Governor Rick Snyder's former chief of chief of staff to the state health department said that he was frustrated by the water issue in Flint. Quote, he said, these folks are scared and worried about the health impacts, and they are basically getting blown off by us. There's an admission. He said, I really don't think people are getting the benefit of the doubt. Now they are concerned, and rightfully so, about the lead levels they are receiving. Well, anywho, that email made the news, and so... There's a lot of people in an uproar about that, which is very understandable. Uh, for the government of Michigan to be aware of elevated lead levels in water six months before they declare an emergency, that's probably something to be upset about. Mm-hmm. And the TSA has been uh, cited or, mm, let's say, exposed for frisking a 10-year-old girl after they found a juice pouch on her. Yes, a juice pouch. A young girl's father was furious after a TSA agent patted down his child for nearly two minutes at an airport. He said the search was initiated after agents found a juice pouch, which they mistakenly, the family mistakenly left in a carry-on handbag. Now, the frisking happened last week in North Carolina, and the girl's father recorded the incident on his smartphone. Apparently, that's been uploaded to YouTube. Anyway, TSA agents initiated a pat-down followed by an extra hour of screening. The father said, I'm a very big proponent of security, and if they were patting me down, no problem, but this was a 10-year-old girl. He said, the whole system seems to not work the way it should be working. Ah. And in our in our fire and fury department, we have had a lot of earthquakes and volcanoes, not so many volcanoes this past week, but still ongoing earthquakes. And there was a magnitude 4-point earthquake that was felt in El Salvador, this was just on Sunday. No material damage or human injury was reported. Now, El Salvador is in a highly seismic region due to this volcanic chain of the uh, Pacific Ring of Fire, and that happens to run across uh, El Salvador's territory. And in eastern Nepal, there was a fresh tremor of 4.4. It was felt Saturday night. And experts are considering that to be an aftershock. Mm, what's that about? Well, Records show that as many as 424 significant aftershocks of 4.0 or above have followed that devastating earthquake that happened on April 25th. Now, around 9,000 people were killed in that earthquake in its powerful May 12th aftershock that occurred in Nepal. So that big earthquake is still uh, rumbling and rolling in Nepal, aftershocks in form of aftershocks. And in Zambia, they had a 4.6 magnitude earthquake. There were no casualties. And in uh, southern Fars province in Iran, they had a 4.2 magnitude this past week. And there were thousands of small earthquakes that have hit Vancouver region since Christmas. Uh, The experts say that's nothing to worry about. They say that the Pacific Northwest is in a natural seismic cycle right now. That's what they're saying. And in Rio del California, we had a 4.3 magnitude earthquake. That was 19 miles from Rio del California, according to the USGS. And the epicenter was 23 miles from Fortuna, 36 miles from Eureka. Now, what's interesting is that in the past 10 days, there have been five earthquakes of a magnitude 3.0 or greater in that very region. 
And in Southern California, there was a 4.5 magnitude quake. It hit the inland sections of Southern California uh, late last week, early mid last week, excuse me. And uh, landslides were caused by this. They occurred in the area near the epicenter, which had been soaked by heavy rainfall on the day before. And according to the USGS, uh, the quake struck Interstate 10 between San Bernardino and Palm Springs. And we've had earthquakes once again in Oklahoma, but not just Oklahoma alone. Kansas and Texas were also rattled by strong back-to-back earthquakes. That happened last week, mid-last week. The quakes were recorded magnitudes 4.7 and 4.8, according to the USGS. And in Russia, we go back to Russia. The Saiblich volcano in Russia's Kamchatka region erupted once again uh, on Sunday, day before yesterday, as the volcano's activity continues to grow, potentially leading to a major eruption. So we're watching that. It's releasing plumes into the atmosphere, and uh, it's still disturbed. Lots of going on there. All right. In our weather uh, department, we have had a tornado touchdown in Wales. That's right, Wales, the far north country of Wales in the U.K. A mini tornado swept through a supermarket car park. That's a parking lot. They call it car park up there. And this is uh, taken from, by the way, a Wales newspaper called Wales Online. So, anyway, they say a mini tornado swept through a supermarket car park. With such force, it turned a large online delivery van over on its side. Now, a Welshman was shopping at a store in Wales when he heard a loud bang and kaboom When he went outside, he found the van overturned and the store's front sign uh, ripped off by the wind strength. He said the noise was absolutely incredible. So whales, wow. Wow, that's unusual. Isn't that unusual? It really is. It really, truly is. And as you all all probably already know from watching mainstream news, it has been a stormy week across California with several El Nino-enhanced storms slamming the state. It's resulted in widespread flooding and road closures. Southern California has been one of the area's hardest hit by this train of storms with inches of rain falling in the major metropolitan areas of Los Angeles and San Diego. So they've had quite a few mudslides, as is so common in that region. Having lived there, I can tell you. Usually every winter we have that. But with this drought, uh, that was uh, forestalled for a while, and now with this uh, onrush of rain, they're really having some problems. Well, in nature, uh, we have had some unfortunate incidents with animals. There has been a record number of 600 turtles that that were rescued from the ocean following a cold snap over there in North Carolina. Now, state biologists say a record number of turtles were rescued earlier this week from our coast, they said. In all, again, 600 cold, stunned turtles, we talked about that last week, by the way, were caught in frigid waters near the shore, and they were not able to swim. Now, North Carolina aquariums took in about 450 turtles. They say many of those are going to need additional time to recover before they can get back to the ocean. But state people say that about 200 of the turtles will be transported to South Carolina and Georgia beaches tomorrow, where they're going to be released into warmer waters. The rest are going to remain in sanctuary until they can rehabilitate. And on the beaches of Whittier, Alaska, I've talked about the Murrays, and uh, that is just that problem is continuing to increase. 
There have been thousands of dead common Murrays that are washing up on the beaches of Whittier, Alaska. It's an unprecedented die-off that has scientists wondering how many more thousands remain uncounted throughout Prince William Sound. A recent, uh, recently retired federal biologist has been doing surveys in that area, estimated there were more than 7,800 dead Murrays along a little over a mile of beach. That's a lot of a lot of birds per meter of beach. So anyway, we don't know what's going on up there, poor animals, but that's what's happening in Alaska. And uh, oh, we're going to talk about secrets revealed tonight. Um, a lot of people take pharmaceutical medicine, so I thought I ought to share this with you. Not a lot of people know this, but price gouging is continuing unabated as Pfizer raises prices on over 100 medicines. Yep, they kicked off the new year by quietly jacking up the cost of over 100 drugs. So um, some of these by nearly a fifth. And it came through Reuters, this information. They reported their, sometime, their, their findings sometime late last week, citing statistics that were included in a research note uh, from USB Securities. So they came about this information quite tangentially. It wasn't announced. It just happened to be uncovered by somebody who does research. And um, so Reuters managed to find that and are now reporting on it. So uh, very unfortunate. And in our happy endings department. Oh, this is a wonderful story, guys. A golden retriever has returned to its home in Vermont after 18 months on the lamb. <laughs> they say for this dog named Murphy, this was a for good ending to a hair-raising tale. Now, on a late day in June in 2014, a golden retriever was traveling in a car that was involved in a minor crash in northern Vermont. Now, the dog was alarmed by the accident, and when the driver, who was injured in the shoulder, opened the back door to check on her dog, he just jumped out. He jumped out, and he ran across the field and uh, disappeared. So for over a year, Murphy uh, was spotted by people in the vicinity uh, all along the 30-mile stretch of where she lived. It said it was Vermont's Route 100. And uh, the quest to find him became a community effort. Everybody heard about Murphy and that she'd lost the dog, and, of course, she was injured, and she put out pictures, and people posted it on their social media pages, and there was just a huge network of volunteers looking for this dog. Well, there were family members and a devoted group of dog lovers that happened to deploy game cameras. They did, they did custom-made traps, and they developed a, a gun that fired a large net. They even consulted an animal psychic, trappers, and a wolf tracker. They enlisted countless numbers of local people to post Murphy's sightings online because they kept seeing the dog turn up here and there, but they couldn't catch him because when they called him, he would run. Well, they'd been looking and looking, and it went on so long. They, they kept snapping photos of him on various cameras, would see him sniffing around garbage cans or walking through the woods in the winter. Uh, and miraculously, Murphy managed to survive Vermont's brutally cold winter. Now, the average temperature in that area late last February was negative one. So the dog just was out there in the cold, all alone. People kept seeing him. Nobody could get him. He wouldn't come when they were called. He wouldn't take any of the traps. And gradually his sightings diminished, and they were really starting to worry. They thought maybe Murphy would never get home again. But then he started showing up. 
a string of recent sightings got everybody excited. And on Saturday, this trap that they had ingeniously devised to catch him finally worked. It was actually some form of a fenced-in area, a cage that had a door. I don't know whether they baited it with food or what they did. The story didn't say. But when the dog went into the closed area, uh, they pushed the button and the, <laughs> the door fell, and Murphy was safe. So oh. Murphy went back home. He's in good health. Um, he's fine now. They caught him. Dog experts said that he had probably suffered post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome from his accident. And this expert said this is not unusual with animals uh, that get really traumatized uh, in a, from an accident or a bad event, and it jiggles their brains a little bit or their psychology. This expert said that even though Murphy knew his name and people that would see him running around would call him, he wouldn't answer because he'd been traumatized and just was not in his right senses. So once they got him home, they captured him and took him home, the owner said, uh, Murphy is pretty much exactly like he's always been. It was amazing when he walked in the house last night. It was like this light bulb came on. It's like he said, hey, I'm home. I know Aww. you people, and there's my toy. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Now, I didn't know that animals could get traumatized like that. But that's the sweetest story, and I'm so glad that Murphy made it home. And, you know, all those wonderful people that were helping, um, that's just really touching. It's just wonderful. So her, Murphy's fine. He's home. Beautiful golden retriever. Happy ending uh, there. Wonderful story. We love story. that. Isn't that great? Well, I have a quote for you tonight uh, to, to lead off the week for Starseed, and uh, it is this. If light is in your heart, you will find your way home. And that is from Rumi. Rumi. So there we have it. If the light is in your heart, you will find your way home. Wow, oh, I like that. I like that. Murphy somehow had light in his heart. He found his way. Yeah, I was thinking that Murphy. With the help yeah. of others. You bet. You bet. Yeah. All right, Ariel. That's it for Starseed News for tonight, for this week. Well, I want everyone to have a beautiful week. And we will. Thank you so much for the Starseed News, Anastasia. And um, with that, I'm going to bring Lavendar online, and then we will um, get Sarah on. Hang on a second here. Okay, Lavendar and Sarah, you are both good to go. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Okay, Sarah, this is Lavendar, and I am so thrilled that I was able to find you after you sent me this wonderful book called Starseed Intro, Manual and Handbook. I I sat down and read it, and then I just had to find you to say, come on our show. So here you are. So welcome, my dear. Well, thank you so much for having me. What a nice surprise to be on your show. So do you have that little book handy in front of you right now? Oh, you know, that was my last copy that I gave you, but I do have it on PDF form right in front of me right now. Okay, so I'd like for you to go to um, the 18 ways to know if you're starseed. It's on page 35. And I would, I'd like for you to start by reading those 18 things before we have our interview. All right. Um, well, here's the 18 ways to know if you may be a starseed. Um, I feel like I need like a Johnny Carson drum roll for this. 
number one, a constant feeling of not fitting in. Being teased from an early age, never quite feeling that you fit in even into adulthood. Number two, a longing to fly or that you do a lot of traveling, um, having that feeling that you want to go home. Number three, changing your outward appearance, changing your hair color, style, um, style and clothing. I feel that all of this is a way for us to try to figure out who we are. Number four, dreams or encounters with ETs, um, feelings of encounters with extraterrestrials. Number five, love of sci-fi films and television shows, uh, The X-Files, Medium, Unsolved Mysteries, anything having to do with the spiritual and unusual paranormal. Uh, Number six, actual love of science and spirituality as it's one, believing that science and spirituality can coexist. Number seven, you abhor violence of any kind, whether it's movies, television, world events, or personal events. If there is any indication of violence or confrontation, you are out of there. Number eight, you're a natural healer and channeler. You love to help people and animals that won't go out of your way to do so. You're often working as a psychic or healer. Number nine, you are very helpful and sweet and you have a cool exterior. You are very guarded of who you let into your close circle. Number 10, fascination with certain star systems or planets. Number 11, social awkwardness, putting your foot in your mouth, awkwardly feeling like the conversation is over but not sure how to continue with your dialogue. Number 12, you're not only in love to have the latest gadgets and technology, but also learn how to use them quite easily. You're a quick learner. Number 13, you have a fascination with ancient pyramids, temples, and ruins. Number 14, you are a bit aloof and ungrounded. You tend to live your life daydreaming. It's hard for you to focus on mundane tasks. Number 15, you are a workaholic. Even on your days off, you're still working. Number 16, you believe that angels are actually visitors from other worlds. Number 17, you have a strong sense of claircognance or just knowing. You know things before they happen, and you feel like information is continuously being channeled through to you. Number 18, to learn as much as you love to teach. I really love those 18 points. That was, um, uh, it's really right on. So let me ask you, what motivated you to write this book? Well, I was, I've always been a writer. Um, ever since I was a little girl, I used to write short stories. Um, and I've been trying to write a book, geez, I don't know how many, 10 years, 15 years, and nothing was coming out of it. And then um, recently over the summer, I uh, had a breakup with a friend and uh, threw me into a depression. And a couple of days after that initial breakup, I woke up one day and I said, well, I have this book I started writing a while ago, and it was only maybe one or two chapters that I had actually finished. And I decided I was going to sit down and start writing out my book. And I started at 7.30 in the morning and finished at 6.30 at night, and I had 95 pages complete. And I said, well, I guess this is my book. (laughs) Um, So it uh, it was a fast came out 
all the information that was being channeled came out fast, and um, obviously my guides wanted me to get this book out right away. I, I know what you mean. I know when my little crystal book happened. Um, I, I wrote it and edited it and printed it all in 14 days. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty so much what comes, happened here, too. So when it comes fast and furious, and you just have to be ready to hold on to the information and make sure it gets down on paper. And the days that I did it, the computers, we didn't, I didn't have a computer. I just had a little brother typewriter. So um, it was it was great that you had a, you had a, a computer to type yours, right? I do. I, yeah, absolutely. Although I have a, a 1964 electric Smith Corona sitting on the lanai that's waiting to be used at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Okay. So why don't we start by talking about some of your early experiences with ETs and and, and just kind of bring us along on, on your journey of how you woke up and, and knew who you were. Um, well, maybe first real experience um, that I had, um, I was actually, we I, I grew up in Michigan, and my husband and I were living in Lansing, and I had this dream one night where I woke up, but I didn't feel like I was dreaming. Um, I woke up, and there were these aliens, little gray aliens around my bed. There must have been about 12 of them, and I was levitating, and I and I wasn't scared or anything. I just thought, oh, they're so cute. Look at them. Um, <laughs> it wasn't frightening. And then the next day I woke up and I was in the shower getting ready for work and I noticed I had this implant or something underneath my arm. Um, and it's, it looked like it was pressing through the skin. It wasn't any like an indentation. It actually looked like there was something coming out. Um, and I took a picture of it, but of course then we didn't have digital cameras, so I just had a cheap 35 millimeter um, film, and of course the picture never turned out. Um, but I showed it to my father-in-law, who is also into extraterrestrial contact, and um, he thought it was pretty trippy. It stayed for a couple of days, and then one day it disappeared. Um, and then um, I felt I've always felt this connection. Um, to the stars. Um, I have used to always go outside and watch like meteor showers and just I would talk to the stars growing up. And um, when we moved to Hawaii, um, my personal experiences just started to increase from there. I had a, um, a past life regression over the past year and we I went home to my home planet of Andromeda and met my mother there and um, you know, it's funny when you get a past life regression, you never really know if it's real or not or if it, how much of it you're really making up in your head. But I will tell you that the experience that I had was about the same experience I had when I got your package with the crystals. Um, I could not stop laughing. And it was just a, it was like a feeling of coming home and seeing her for the first time. And we just were laughing, laughing, laughing the whole time. Um, so my all of that is, you know, how I came to terms with it is I was in this major denial for a long time um, before I had my awakening. And um, I finally had somebody on Doreen Virtue's um, class. She teaches this, um, the 
realm angels or earth angel realms, I think is what it's called. And she takes you through and she'll help you find where your soul's origins are. And I tried every possible realm that there was. And a lot of them I did fit into, but none of them, none of them really stuck until somebody from the forum said, you know, you kind of sound like you're a star seed. And I went back and I watched the videos and um, I did some research on Starseeds, which is how I originally came across the Starseed Hotline website. And um, and I was really averted to it because I didn't want to be associated with being weird. I just wanted to be normal. I was used to being different. I just don't want to be weird. Good luck um, with that. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, but, but it... But once I accepted it, I felt normal. I didn't have that weird feeling anymore. All that weirdness kind of disappeared, and I felt like I actually found my home. So what do you think the difference is between humans and starseeds? Well, humans are... I, I believe that all humans are have DNA of ET intelligence, Um I think that that goes back in ancient texts to the Babylonians and the Sumerians. Um, and you, if you go back and you study some of their texts, they speak about um, the Anunnaki who came here and they implanted and they basically made the human race as slaves. Um, so I believe that all of us have alien DNA in us. Now, the big difference between that and starseeds is starseeds are actually souls who volunteer to come back here to raise the human consciousness um, to help shift the consciousness of the earth. Um, And by doing so, um, they have a more direct link to alien DNA than regular humans do because, of course, over the thousands of years that we've been on the planet, we've, we've developed more and more of human DNA as opposed to alien DNA. Um, So we have um, these star seeds that are here in their they're helping, their main mission is to help other people in whatever form that they can. Yes. Uh, I, I've been researching a lot about DNA and, and, and how it's been aligning to my 25, 26, and 27 degree planets. And it's very fascinating to see that throughout a period of time that they have injected serums into the bloodline that would actually match these 25, 26, and 27 uh, astrological codings. That's what I'm starting to find now, and I'll be writing about that uh, eventually. So I wanted to ask you, um, talk to us a little bit about what you think about ley lines and ancient structures on the planet. Well, ley lines are really interesting um, because if you look at where all of the big pyramids happen to line up with another. There's, it's almost, when you look at that on a globe and in structure, everything lines up. The uh, Stonehenge, um, the pyramids of Giza, uh, you know, Machu Picchu, uh, Teotihuacan, all of those structures seem to wind up on the same either latitude or longitude of one another. And they're I believe that they're the center of point of like a a conductor of energy and it's a way of communication with the, with the star people. Um, It's a way for us to really connect with them 
and for them also to keep an eye on us. I think that we're, it was, I feel like we're under a magnifying glass uh, a lot of the time, um, just kind of being watched over and um, making sure that we're staying on our path. Whatever they have designed for us, um, they want to make sure that we don't leave that. So these structures, if you ever get a chance to go to some of them, are just absolutely incredible. The energy that you can pick up when you walk into uh, Machu Picchu, you have to go there either really early or really late when there's nobody there because the, there's so many people that go into these ancient sites now that you, as an empath, you get overwhelmed with just the amount of energy from the people. But if you wait a few minutes after closing, you can really start to absorb the energy of the actual place. And it's incredible. These are in, these are meant to be uh, designed to, uh, it's almost like a stargate in some way, I, I want to say. Well, it is a stargate. Uh, they are stargates. You're right. Yeah, they're, they're portals. They're ways for us to communicate with them. Um, and the, it was, Think that we, I mean, we don't know anything about these these structures really beyond the um, archaeology point, but we really don't understand them from a um, oh my gosh, like a oh, what's that guy's name? Nuclear, the nuclear physicist. Um, we don't understand it quite from that term yet, from that line. So these are really cool um, structures, I think, that everybody needs to get to um, at some point or another. So what island do you live on on Hawaii? So I live on Oahu. Oahu. Do you ever get over to um, Kauai at all? Oh, well, yeah, that's my favorite island. Mine too. <laughs> Mine too. Are there any sacred site places uh, that you have found in Kauai that would be worth mentioning? Yeah, there's um, there's quite a few. I mean, throughout the islands, you're going to go to different places, and um, you're going to find major energy points. Um, on Kauai, in particular, um, Koalau Valley is um, is a major energy point. Um, if you can um, hike back there, the the energy that is held back there is um, very healing. They have a lot of people um, that go back there. I know after the Vietnam War, there was a lot of um, uh, vets that had gone back to the back of the valley to heal from um, PTSD. And um, there's still, some of them are still over there. Um, um, so that's a really wonderful spot. Um, I know on top of uh, Kokei, um is also really nice, and that one is where um, they have uh, the wetlands and, um, you know, the interesting thing about Hawaii is that it's all it's all an energy point, and a lot of people believe that the top of Mauna Kea is the top of Mu. To Hawaii, they're either accepted or they're not, and it's not accepted by the people here. It's accepted by the island. You know, the island will, you know what just came yeah. to me as you were talking? Why don't you put together a, a sacred site um, starseed tour for Hawaii? And uh, oh, let let our listeners know and, and, and get a group to, to come and see you. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen anyone really advertising 
for people to come to Hawaii. Maybe I'm not on the right mailing list, but I just haven't seen any. And and I know that it that um, the calling is happening. It's got to be happening. Oh, it's so. I, I have so many friends here in the spiritual community um, in Hawaii that they know that they come from the stars and they understand that they have Pleiadian DNA in them. And a lot of them are working um, as Reiki healers, but it's even it's way beyond Reiki. It's, it's working, you know, it's working with um, the energy that's given to them from their home planet. Right. And we may not fully ever understand that completely, but they know that they're connecting to something much, much bigger than what we thought originally possible. Right. Um, what do you think about the connection between mental illness and star seeds? What's your take on that? Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you actually brought that up because, um, you know, I've been experiencing this myself. I do know that a lot of star seeds that have come to this earth really have a hard time assimilating to the earth energy. Um, and it's very difficult for them to ground themselves. You often hear people who tell other people, you're just not grounded. Um, and that's one of my biggest pet peeves because for star seeds, I've known that I have known that it's very difficult for us to ground ourselves. Uh, we might be able to do it for a couple of minutes, but then we shoot completely out of body again. And I think because of that, we tend towards having more mental illness than others and the fact that we're natural healers and we're extremely empathic. So naturally, we want to be helping other people, and because we're so empathic, we take on other people's sadness um, or depression. Um, and it and it can affect our physiological well-being. So it's a it's something that I'm just starting to really explore, but it's been more of a common thing that I've been noticing when I'm doing readings or that I'm speaking with people um, that, you know, you can tell um, by their energy and by their eyes. I mean, they have really big hearts. They really want to do good for other people, um, but in return that they're suffering because of it. So, um, you know, there's got to be a, a balance between all of that. And, um, you know, if you ever get a chance to go read my blogs, I'm pretty open about everything. Um, and one of them is that, you know, I think that there's got to be some sort of compassion on both sides. Um, and for people, like for starseeds, um, you know, you shouldn't feel that you're alone or there there's something uh, dysfunctional about you because there's not. It's just that you're wired a lot differently than most other people. And you may have this, you may be ultra sensitive, but that's also what makes you unique. And that's what makes you able to connect compassionately with other people and other animals. But don't forget to take care of yourself either. You know, make sure that you give yourself time that you need to heal. And, um, you know, Therapy is wonderful, um, whatever that you need to do in order to take care of yourself. But I, I really want other starseeds to know that they're not in this alone, that there's lots of them that I have met that have all struggled with some sort of mental illness. Well, I noticed that there seems to be uh, a brain imbalance sometimes in the chemistry of starseeds. 
uh, th- that goes pretty extreme. And um, but I know there's times after my lightning strikes that, you know, I was like bipolar, schizophrenic, just practically out of my mind. And I know that a lot of star seeds have gone through, you know, thinking that, that they were losing their mind um, because of the activations. My activations, of course, were quite different with the lightning strikes. But then even even when I've been taken aboard ship and brought back, um, I have several hours of dysfunction to where my brain mm-hmm. just can't quite get there. <laughs> and I just have to sit and wait until it, you know, until it clicks in. And it has to do with the way that I, I'm changing my vibrational energy from one place to another. And uh, so do you find that also? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we can be, uh, the cool thing is, is once you recognize and you accept that maybe you have a chemical imbalance, you can work on ways to um, to be aware of it and also recognize that that is a time that your guides are working on you. And um, so while you are feeling a little bit crazy or a little bit uh, unbalanced, you know that in time that that is going to shift again. And yeah. you'll be able to come out of that even stronger than what you were before you went in it. Yeah, I've tried everything from Jack Daniels to crystals. Believe <laughs> 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 it. <laughs> but now I'm on a new product called Lion's Mane. All these years, I've had to jump around and find different things that would work for me. But now, Lion's Mane seems to be working. Do you know about that product, Lion's Mane? You know, I have done research on it. Um, it is a fungus, and you know, the other thing uh, with star seeds, a lot of times, is they have a lot of digestive issues because of their sensitivity. Um, so I haven't tried the Lion's Mane yet because I'm a, supposedly allergic uh, to to mushrooms. Oh, really? Um, well, yeah. um, I thought I was, too, until I took this product, and it, it just snapped my brain completely, too. I mean, it's wonderful. I'm really loving it. Of course, it may, you know, in, in, a, in a week or two or a month, it may stop working <laughs> and then have to go to something else. But that's just what the lightning strikes have left me with is is a body that keeps changing all the time. So Yeah, that must be a big challenge for you. Well, it is. I've been I've been doing this for over thirty years, and I'm getting really tired. Getting really tired. All right. So yeah. let me ask you. You've got a new book that you're writing. What's your new book about? So my new book is going to be more of a workbook. Um, it's it's I guess it's like a companion book to this one. I want to have some exercises um, in there for star seeds um, and. Uh, going to be touching on some other stuff as well. I probably will be speaking a lot more about mental illness and uh, star seeds um, and our physical bodies and how we react to the earth atmosphere. Um, so it's more of a companion book, I guess, to this. And um, I'm working on it. We're I'm a long way off from finishing it. And um, I'm hoping I can finish it uh, by the end of the year here is my goal. Oh, you probably will. You probably will. So uh, what about people that have bad alien encounters? What do you think about that? Um, that's really a good question, too. One of my really good friends who is a starseed is in total denial about it because she had such a terrifying experience um, having ETs come into her room. 
um, as a child. Um, I believe that there are bad, so-called bad ETs out there, um, but I don't believe that they really can penetrate us too much. I feel that our guides um, are constantly looking after us. And um, and protecting us, and I think if you allow the fear to settle in, that's an open opportunity for them to come and attach themselves to you. Um, but a lot of the times, and I think that this is true, is people who have these bad encounters are just so frightful because they're not sure what they're experiencing, but they're really getting healings from uh, these ET beings that are coming and visiting them at night. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, I do. I do. So tell yeah, us know. what you can um, uh, help us with, with understanding more about why we're here at this particular time. You know, after 2012, I noticed that it wasn't so much about the, the Mayan calendar ending. It was about the the reemergence of all the star seeds started standing up all over the planet. That's kind of what I've been tracking is this what you've been tracking also is is this uh, this gigantic rush of of energies that have happened after 2012 isn't it incredible yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly what i've been experiencing um you know i think we were we actually were trying to get to peru for the end of the mayan calendar and we went um and you know, obviously the world didn't end, but you could feel the global consciousness shift. People were starting to wake up, not even as well as being spiritually more awake, they started to become more consciously awake. In other words, being more uh, aware of politics and the way that um, politicians were handling um, situations that were coming up in the world. Um, we are also a lot more prone um, to sensitivity and people, you know, unfortunately we've also endured like a higher number of gun killings here in the United States. And I think that a lot of times I have to go with the chemical imbalance and with the star seeds. Um, you know, Columbine was one of those uh, things that is so sensitive to talk about, but, you know, those kids were indigo children, and I think that they didn't have a lot. They lacked a lot of love and support, and they took their uh, their aggressions out in a very negative way, obviously. Um, and we think that we've seen an increase in that, but we've also seen an increase in people, especially these younger generations that's coming up right now who are standing up for things that they really believe in is right. And it's just really, it's mind-blowing to sit back and look at how far that we've come in just, what, four years? Oh, yeah. Everything seems to be accelerated. It's like our brain power that we had was like, what, 10%, but then after 2012, I think it went to 15 or maybe even to 20. And a lot of people on the planet, their consciousness just started just started um, rising up and 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 tracking their own energies and uh, what gets me about about crime today when I watch things on TV I go didn't didn't they know that the consequences for that like that woman that I saw on TV last night that stole all that jewelry 
and went to all those states, mashing, you know, the the glass and grabbing. And she didn't put on a mask. I mean, didn't she know she was going to get caught? Didn't she know that there were consequences for this? <laughs> it's like yeah. I, I'm watching people's reaction to energetics, and uh, and some of them surprise me because it's like common sense. And then and then on the other flip side, I see where people are tracking really far into consciousness to find out about how things are working. So it's a, it it takes me to the spectrum from from one to to ten monitoring all the time. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's a little bit shocking too. To um, like you like you said, aren't you aware of what's going on? But sometimes I don't think that these people fully have that that alert button. It feels like we're in a time in our lives and a time on this planet where it's either sink or swim. Yeah. And the people who are going to make it are the ones um, who we're seeing raise their consciousness level. The other ones, they're going to be leaving the planet shortly um, because there's really no place for them anymore, I feel. I mean, I know the planet has to have some sort of balance, but it feels like time's running out and you know, you're going to have to make a choice in your life how you're going to live and what are you going to do for other people while you're here. Right. Do you find a lot of debris still coming from Japan to the Hawaiian Islands? Is there a lot of debris that that washes up on your shores still there? Um, we didn't really have too much. We had a, a couple of things that washed up on the shore. Um, we haven't for a while. Our biggest concern here is the radiation links from uh, Fukushima. Um, and because we eat so much fish here in Hawaii that um, scientists are a little bit worried about the amount of radiation, not just the mercury content anymore, but the radiation that is in these fish that we're that we're bringing in and eating on quite a, I mean, we eat it daily, but we eat it sometimes three days, a, three times a day. Um, so there's certainly a little, there's a big uh, concern about that, but not so much about bringing in um, the debris anymore. Yeah. So I, I know that, that they've been lying to us about what's really happening with, with all of the radiation. They're not telling us the truth. We know that. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. The best thing to do if you're out here is not eat the fish, which is so hard because it's such a main staple in our diet. And, you know, quite honestly, it tastes wonderful. Yeah. So how many years have you lived in Hawaii? Um, My husband and I, we moved out here almost 13 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, we came out with uh, two suitcases apiece and our cat, and that was it. And we... We had no jobs lined up, and, um, you know, we, I guess we are at that stage in your life um, where you're either going to buy a house and settle down and take up the typical Midwest lifestyle, or we were going to be true to ourselves and do something that we both really wanted to do with our life, and um, that was to have a little bit of adventure. And so we came out here, and we both wound up getting great jobs. My husband works in the film industry, and and I worked in uh, finance, actually, for 10 years before I made this transition. Yeah, That's good. That's been a really incredible journey for me as well. Good. 
so in the last two or three years, have you opened up your field to do more readings and to talk to more people about, you know, uh, conscious living? Is this is this what started happening for you after 2012, or were you doing this before 2012? Uh, no, I, I started taking um, some psychic development classes about 2010, um, and about six months after I started taking it, it was like a all this flood of information just came pouring through. I started doing readings, started teaching classes, but not very seriously. Once in a while, I would do it. Um, so, yeah, about 2012, um, it really started to pick up for me. Um, in 2014, I got hired over by Sedona, which is the metaphysical store I work at. And um, I started teaching classes and workshops and um, I started doing readings more on a regular basis. And now I've kind of, with everything that's going on and the amount of speed that this book is picking up, I've started reevaluating that I specifically want to focus in on helping other starseeds. Um, and I'm going to be starting up a podcast here with another um, healer here who's also uh, from Andromeda. And uh, we're going to be doing these podcasts together about once a week. And we're going to be talking to starseeds and talking about healings and, um, you know, opening up and, and helping people along their own journey. So it certainly was a, um, a rise to call, I suppose you could say. Um, when, when 2012 ha- happened, everything did move, start moving along a lot faster. So, you know, when I got your book and I was, after I finished reading it, then I was trying to find a phone number. I was trying to find an address, contact, mm-hmm. and you just didn't put anything in here. <laughs> it's made in the USA, San Bernardino, California, September fifteenth, 2015. That's all it says. So I'm going, wow, you need to to put the information on people how to, how to find. You know, when somebody reads it, they go, oh, let me tell you about it and, and tell the next person how to order it. So tell us how to order your book. Well, you can go, actually, you can order it on Amazon. Um, there's two ways that you can get it. You can either order it as a Kindle, Kindle version, or you can order it in paperback. And um, the links are both there. If you um, go into Amazon and you search for Sarah Starfire or Starseeds Intro Manual and Handbook, the book will pop up. Okay. Um, I didn't put any of my information inside of that book. Um, you know, honestly, I, I didn't even think about it. I originally printed this book for my students um, here in Hawaii, and I was going to take it to Kinko's and just have it printed up on eight and a half by eleven paper. And then, but I wanted it to look nice, so I decided to do a self-publishing. And then um, all these people started contacting me about the, this book. So I'm, I wasn't expecting it to actually take off like this. Well, you should have known, girl. You should have known. The minute <laughs> the starseeds are awakened, here they come. You know, I, yeah. I tell people, uh, counselors and people that uh, have sessions with me, I say, put starseed in your heading and your website because people are looking for the starseed information. You know, when we first put up our website years ago, you could type in starseed and hardly anything would come up. You type it in now, and it's page after page after page. And a lot of people that have put starseed in their heading and their website have tripled their business. And I think I told you about that when we talked. 
Uh, you did, and that's actually why I don't have a website right now is because I'm redoing it to incorporate Starseed into my heading. Good. Um, and um, on the website, I'm going to have um, blogs and my podcasts, um, information on classes. Um, but right now, I, I need to sit down and figure all of that stuff out um, with my web designer. So right now, if people need to get a hold of me, they can contact me through Facebook um, at Sarah Starfire or Sarah Chamberlain. Either one of those is fine. Um, but that's really all that I have right now. If you guys want to read about my blog, um, and I do have a blog. It's gypsymusings.com. Okay, musings.com. So um, I'd like to share um, uh, your information now with Ariel, my co-host. So, Ariel, are you there? And the switchboard, will you take some calls? Maybe some people have some questions that they might want to ask you. Will you be willing to... Uh, talk to our audience for just a few moments? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Okay. So, Ariel, you there? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, back to you, girl. And thank okay. you so much, Sarah. And We'll be talking again later, okay? All right. Thank you, Lavender. Have a wonderful evening. Well, Sarah, this has just been fascinating. And um, at this point, um, I want to let our listeners know that if you have a question uh, for Sarah and general topics that she's been talking about tonight. Uh, if you're already on the switchboard, you'll need to press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. And if you're not on the switchboard, if you're listening on the computer, then dial 917-889-8292. And then once you're in, press 1 so that we know you want to come on the air. And... Um, while we are waiting to see if we have people with questions, um, I just wanted to kind of ask you a little bit more about um, what you do there in Hawaii uh, from your uh, from your bio. Uh, besides, I mean, teaching classes and doing readings, um, can you tell us? Uh, are you working with more? Are you finding more star seeds are being um, um, coming through the door? For you? Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. Um, and as a matter of fact, once I acknowledged that I was a starseed, they just flooded through. It's, it is such um, <laughs> a, a global coming out. Uh, like Lavendar said, um, when, we, when we started um, the website um, in 2009, there just wasn't maybe there was there was just as many star seeds as there are now but they were either asleep or um kind of in the closet but i have just seen a global rush um I'm on our on our forum we've got a little a little widget that shows the the members and their their position on the globe and they show up as little green lights and it's just everywhere Everywhere in every country, from Siberia to Hawaii to um, South Africa, Australia, you know, all of Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, India. I mean, just they're everywhere, and it's really heartening. Uh, I mean, because there is a, it shows that there is a movement and there's an awakening, and the starseed presence is becoming louder and louder on the planet, and 
it's it's just very uplifting because you know um, strength in numbers. Yeah, exactly. It is strength in numbers. Nobody wants to come out of the proverbial closet no matter what if they don't have some sort of backing or if there is somebody who hasn't already led the way. Um, you know, there's a lot of fear and a lot of stigma that's attached to it and coming out, oh, I'm a starseed. It's funny because I find that it's a lot easier for people to say that I'm a crystal child or I'm an indigo child or I'm a light worker. Um, but if you put in starseed, all of a sudden you have this weird um, uh, connection. You know, people people think you're really strange and, you know, you you what? you believe in extraterrestrials and that we come from the stars and you know, there's all this weird connotation that goes along with just coming out and admitting that you're a starseed. So, but the more that I've been seeing, with especially within the last few years, more and more people have been coming to terms with it, and they're it's doing wonders for them and for the people that they're working with. Um, the healing sessions, the readings, um, you know, even doing artwork. Um, and you know. Yesterday, one of the biggest stars passed away, and that was David Bowie. And he was he was really kind of the pioneer in that um, aspect. He was always pretty open um, that he believed in alien life, and you know at least he was open to that possibility. And um, you know, so yesterday was kind of a sad day, I think, for a lot of star seeds because our first icon um, has kind of had had gone back to the stars. Wow, I wasn't aware that David Bowie crossed yesterday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Yes, he did. He crossed. Uh, It was actually um, Sunday evening that he crossed, and everybody kind of found out yesterday. Um, So it was very, um, you know, that was very traumatic for, I think, for a lot of people. I mean, he he was a national icon, but I think too because of um, the way that he was. I mean, he was so he was so far out there, but he was comfortable with it. He didn't really care. He was like, oh, I'm I'm from an alien, <laughs> and he always <laughs> played an alien really well too. So, <laughs> well, um, well, we have we have some callers now ready to um, speak with you and. First of all, we are going to talk to Jane as soon as I get your mic open. Okay. Hey, Jane, you are on the air with Sarah. Hi, Ariel. Hi, Sarah. Um, Hi, Jane. Hi, Hi, Lavender. It is so nice to hear you talk. First of all, I want to say thank you for those 15 identifying, um, the list of 15 identifiers for (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I always think that everybody must say yes, of course, to all of them. But, you know, as I as I get older, I'm realizing that, you know, most people don't, add, you know, around me don't say yes to those things. And <laughs> so that, that was really good. It's just really, no, you know, nice that you came up with those identifiers and that I identify with them. <laughs> That's cool. The other um, question I had is that you're aware that you come from Andromeda, and so do you speak with your uh, your people from there? Do you speak with the, any beings from there when you communicate with um, with beyond your guidance, or you know, do you have a, a working relationship with your family, you know, or your your base sisters and brothers? Yeah, I do, and I have to say, it was really weird. 
I, I, I use that word a lot. Um, it was very strange to finally open up that um, communication and that dialogue. Um, I'll actually speak it. I, it sounds like gibberish, but it's a funny thing. Um, when I was a little girl, and I think a lot of starseeds go through this too, um, I didn't speak. Um, I only spoke in gibberish, and nobody could understand what was wrong with me. My mom took me to doctors, and the doctor's like, yeah, she's fine. She'll eventually start talking when she's ready to. And I did, but I was close to four years old by the time I first started talking. And I believe, yeah, I believe that a lot of starseeds have experienced something similar to that. And I think that that was a way that I was just getting downloads and information from my home family. Um, so I do keep a pretty open dialogue with them. Um, I speak with them. Um, you know, I, they, they're not around all of the time. Uh, and certainly I don't want to talk to them all the time. You know, they are family, so, you know, we have to have distance. Um, right. Right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it is wonderful. How did you initiate, the like, the, the first, once you did the regression and, and that's where you realized <clears throat> you you were from, how did you initiate your first um, conversation with them? Did you meditate or did you just sit down on the edge of your bed and say, hello? I mean, how did you do that? Um, kind of a little bit of both um, during the regression. Um, like I said, we, we just spent probably about five minutes laughing. I don't re really remember us actually speaking words, but I believe that a lot of it was telepathy, and a lot of the communication that was happening was being transferred through our third eye. Um, and then when I'm doing a reading or if I'm working with somebody, um, I'll just listen I'll use a um, clear audience, and I'll listen to the messages that are coming in. Other times, if I'm by myself and I'm on the beach underneath the stars, I'll just start speaking to them and just start channeling in that way. So um, it's a, it takes a lot of practice to get comfortable with that, but once you do, it comes a lot easier than what you think it would. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fascinating. I just... Um very happy. I can't wait to, to take a look at your book, and I can't wait for the next one to come out. And just want to let you know, it's just really nice to, to hear your voice. Well, thank you, Jane. It's nice to meet you. And um, and hopefully we'll we'll meet someday. I think getting a group of people like Lavender suggested to come to Hawaii and show them the PowerPoints is probably a really good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great idea. She was trying to get me to do that earlier. So I think yeah, um, yeah. having it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a really great idea. Okay, well, listen, you guys have a great evening. Thank you so much for um for sharing. I love I oh, like the uh, the identifiers and I'll get your book. Thank you so much. Okay, thank night. you. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank you, you too. Bye, Ariel. Bye, Lavender. Well, um we have we have another question for you, but before I get to that, um, I was thinking about what you said about people who will readily say, "Oh, I'm indigo, I'm a rainbow, I'm a crystal, I'm this or that," and but they won't admit that they're starseed. I just got the hugest kick out of that because um, they're all starseeds. You know, right. starseed is more of a generic term, which, by the way, 
um, Lavendar is the one that coined that term way back in the 70s. She was one that oh. came up with it. Now it's, it's you know, uh, everyday. <laughs> Every, well, I don't know if it's a household word, but certainly um, that was her uh, original thought. But it's more of a um, an umbrella because then there's, you know, all different, like humans, and then you've got, um, you know, Asians and Caucasians and um, African Americans and all the various, but we're all human. So whether right. it's, you know, rainbow or crystal or indigo or whatever, those are just uh, divisions of star seeds with particular talents or skill sets or um, missions. Absolutely. So, um, oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just kind of thought that was uh, amusing. Um, but actually, um, our our switchboard host, um, Vanya, had a question, and I'm going to try to ask this for her uh, if I get it correctly, I hope. Um, have you come across what she was calling the starseed coatings with with numbers, like, like 909 and 808 or um do you know do you have any kind of information about um star seeds relating to um numbers and and maybe even beyond that you know 1111 or um star seed I know that have? there's um there's definitely a connection with numbers and how we how we relate to them um you know Dory Virtue's got this whole you know their angel numbers and I don't know if they're even that. I think they're they're definitely messages to help us on our life, but it's just not us. I think that it goes even bigger than that. What really fascinates me more than that is binary coding and how binary coding can be a way to communicate with one another um, and extraterrestrial beings. Uh, that stuff is really far out there. If um, you ever get a chance... Um, one of my favorite delights is to watch Ancient Aliens. I don't know if you ever sit down and watch that show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you might recall there was um, a E.T. landing um, in uh, England, and some U.S. Air Force men went out to go investigate it, and then he put his hand on the spaceship, and all this binary code came through. And he immediately went and recorded it in a journal. And um, it took, I don't know, about five days to get all of the binary code. And it, it actually spelled out a message. And the message was uh, something along the lines of uh, mission to Earth must continue, um, more research needed. And um, this, I mean, it took a long time to figure out the binary coding, but once they did it, then there was an actual message there. So I do believe that numbers certainly carry a message to them. Um, I'm, I, and I have to say that I, I'm a little guilty. Like if I see 11.11 pop up on my screen, I like take a, a snapshot of it, you know, and, and I'll keep it. Because um, to me, regardless of what that message really means, to me it means that I'm being protected by angels. So I hope that that answers her question. Okay, well, I'm sure she'll she'll let me know. Um, <laughs> um, I had a question and, and it just disappeared. Um, well, 
I'm going to ask you something that's maybe a little bit, um, well, it's not really off topic, but we've never had anyone on the show that did tea leaf readings. And and I've never known anyone that did that. I've only seen it on TV, you know. Um, how did you um, how did you start doing that, and and how does that work? Oh, um, that's a really fun story. Um, I'll try to consolidate it as much as possible. Um, but tea leaf readings—they've been around for centuries. They were actually started in um, China, and then with the with the trade embargoes. Um, in the 16th century, um, they would take their sailing vessels from China over to Europe and they'd sell the, tra- the tea to the Europeans. And somehow they made it to the gypsies and the gypsies realized that they could use it as a form of divination. And um, it became like a main thing. Like people would go to see the gypsies and you can either have your tarot cards read or you could have a tea leaf reading. So eventually this made it into um, the home, into the homes, um, especially as affluent women. And they used it as a form of entertainment. They'd have guests that would come over and they would do tea leaf readings for their guests. And they would be like, oh, you're going to go be going on a trip in six months. Um, and I don't think that they quite realize that they were really tapping into a form of divination. Um, and now today when I teach it, um, we, you know, we know it to be really something powerful. And a lot of my readings um, that I have done with tea leaf readings um, have been able to connect people to people who have passed over, like their, their relatives, um, just by looking inside of a cup. You know, it's a lot like looking at a set of clouds than trying to figure out what the picture means. So um, that was, so it started out there, and then my grandmother used to read coffee grounds, and she lived in Sweden, and I only knew her for a year of my life before she died, and um, it always kind of felt that she was with me and guided me. Um, and then a few years ago, my uh, teacher told me, they all, well, you're a fifth-generation gypsy. And, um, you know, your blue-blooded gypsy. And I thought that was so strange and weird, of course. Um, but I found out that, you know, there's no direct link to our family history and um, the gypsy lineage, but we do come from Slovenia on my grandmother's side. So um, there's a possibility of that. And so when I learned how to read uh, tea leaf readings, it was actually through a friend of mine, and it came very naturally to me. And it's a dying art, and not a lot of people know how to do it. So I'm trying to revitalize it and um, try to make a renaissance of it, so so to speak. No, I just, I've I've heard, you know, like I said, I've seen it on TV, but I've never really talked to anyone that that did it. And so yes, it must be a, a, a dying art. But so you're actually teaching people how to do that, and. Um, it sounds to me like, you know, if your if your grandmother did it with coffee grounds, um, it could really be like almost anything in the cup. But it's about the energy that rearranges things. Is that yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's like an exchange of energy. You know, everything that we touch, you know, we put our energy in, and we get that energy. So as you're drinking the water, you're putting your energy into the water. And um, 
like touching tarot cards. You know, if you went and you shuffled a deck of tarot cards, you know, you're putting your energy into it. So goes when you're drinking a cup of tea. And at the end of the cup, you leave a little water in there and you swirl it around in the cup and you flip the cup over. And when you lift it back up, now you have all of these pictures that are inside of the cup. And um, you can look at the cup and look for clues to things that might be coming up or maybe things that have happened, messages that come through. There are several different things that come through during that. Well, that's fascinating. And um, when I when I hear the uh, about Andromedans, I always think about Alex Collier because he was the the first person I ever listened to that had a lot of information and contactee with the Andromedans. Are you familiar with his work? I'm not. I've never heard of him before. Oh my goodness! Well, um, yeah. This is actually great. If, if you if you go on our website um, in the vault, we have a link to a two-hour interview that he did. I think in the early '90s. And um, as it says, <clears throat> excuse me, on on our website, it's it's not something you want to listen to um, casually because it's really it's it's very heavy. It's serious. It's intense. There's a lot of hope in there, but there's also some, um, you know, hard cold facts that you just you just I wouldn't want anyone listening to just go and and listen to it without really knowing that once you hear that you can't unhear it. Uh, but mm-hmm. a lot of information um, that he he was a, a an Andromedan or is an Andromedan contactee, and he really describes them and um, you know peop, um, beings that he's worked with and worked for as an uh, emissary of sorts. But, uh, yeah, you ought to check it out. He has kind of gone underground at this point because, uh, you know, when you step out like that, you, you open yourself up for a lot of stuff. And um, we really salute him for, for being a courageous uh, champion for ETs as, as he has been. But I want to... Check that out when you've got two hours and you feel really grounded and balanced. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely, I will definitely have to do that. It would be interesting to compare notes. Um, yeah, I, I've I've seen, uh, I've actually I've seen my guide um, in in the ET form before, and um, yeah, it, it was pretty, it was intense. It was intense, mm-hmm. but it was also a very wonderful experience. Um, and, uh, boy, I bet that had he done that today, if he had waited and done that today when there's such a massive consciousness shift like it's happened now, he wouldn't feel the need to go into hiding. Yeah, well, I won't say he's in hiding, but he's um, adopted a, a lower profile as far as I can see, although I know he's um, he's still speaking in in certain areas. So <clears throat> um, when when you said you have seen your guide in, in like physical E T form, do they have kind of like uh like pale blue skin? Oh my gosh, it's so strange. 
Yeah, so um, I actually, uh, in my book, I talk about a particular experience I had where I was doing some astral traveling, and um, I wound up going to um, my home planet, Andromeda, and there was this guide who had met me there, and he was about nine feet tall, um, greenish-blue skin, like iridescent in coloring, Um and there, over one of my shoulders was the city. There was like a city with all of these really beautiful spires um, that kind of remind me of Hindu temples. And then there's another one um, on my other shoulder, and that was my guide. And that was the um, the angel that was looking like he was about nine feet tall and had that iridescent tail, like not really pale, it was like a greenish blue to him. Hmm. Yeah, that's <clears throat> that's the way that Alex had uh, had described them. And huh. one of my favorite quotes um, of all time, uh, it came from Alex through his Andromedan, uh, one of his Andromedan guides named Vesaeus. And the quote is uh-huh. this. The love you withhold is the pain that you carry. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and it just beautiful. isn't, I mean, it is, it's deep, it's got layers and layers and layers, but truly, um, you know, a lot of people, when they get upset with someone because someone hasn't done what they wanted them to do, um, then they start withholding the love, and then that turns into pain that you carry forward. So uh, I guess mm-hmm. the lesson is if you feel love, don't withhold it. Because yeah. oh, as, absolutely. You know, as, as starseeds, um, we're here to promote unconditional love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times starseeds, we get um, a little bit uh, gun-shy about expressing that love, even though we have a massive amount of it and, we want to give it to a lot of people. There's almost a part of us that is withholding. Um, so it's almost like a shielding, a protection, like we've been hurt so many times before that careful of who we learn how to be careful of who we give it out to. And we don't give it out so freely at some point. But we have so much within us and we're always willing to do whatever we can to help other people. If somebody needs something from us, we're always the first ones to step up and to volunteer and say, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll take care of this for you. Or mm-hmm. if there's anything that you need, you know that I'll be there for you. We're never really, um, there's never a lack of love that we have to give. But I think that we just become a little bit more careful about who we give it out to as we get older and wiser. But mm-hmm. as a young starseed, man, I was loving everybody. <laughs> and um, that was a hard lesson to have to learn, that not everybody wants your love. Right. Well, you can love from afar. <laughs> you can love in your heart. But um, um, it's it's what we are all here to do, maybe on a more... Um, global kind of level than than one-on-one. As Mm -hmm. Lavendar has told me, um, 
as was told to her by the Pleiadians, is that we are here to walk among them, but not with them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, one of the first things that, the first traits of starseeds that that I remember reading about was an um, almost uncontrollable desire to be helpful. You know, if you see Mm -hmm. a situation where you know you could do something, you could help make it better, um, I think that's that's one of the basic ingredients. Oh, my gosh, yeah, absolutely. Um, There are so many times where, you know, you walk down the street and you see um, an elder trying to cross the road and they're struggling and you're in your car and, my gosh, you just want to stop a person. Um, Or, you know, somebody, um, an animal who's in need. And, you know, that's another thing with starseeds is that we have this utmost compassion for animals um, because they're, they're there. They're they're higher than we are on so many levels um, that they um, they really are. They're the key to love, I think, the animals um, because they really show us how to unconditionally love everybody. And um, I think for for some star seeds, um, it's it can become a little bit more reserved. Um, as they get older, but there is never a lack of it. If somebody would ever need it, that they'd be the first ones to offer it up. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, were you? I mean, you heard this story about the the dog um, that Anastasia had in the news, Murphy, the the golden retriever that was found uh, or yeah, captured what a sweet. after eighteen months on the lamb, and mm-hmm. just the way that you know all the people came together. Um, to do that, it. Anytime I see people laying aside differences and joining together for a a higher cause, it just about makes me cry every time. Because it's just, oh oh yeah, it's very inspiring and uplifting. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, even world events. Whenever there's a, a world catastrophe, it's always inspiring as traumatic as something can be, um, to see people globally pull together and um, offer their love and their support to one another. And just for a few seconds, we're able to put aside our grievances and disagreements with one another and offer our hearts to one another. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. That's one of the most beautiful ways to offer love to another human being is just by being there. And we see it time and again, um, the latest being in Paris, you know, um, Mm -hmm. what happened over there. Um, Anytime that there is some sort of global catastrophe, it it puts things, I think it puts the world into perspective for many people. Well, it does because you tend to lay aside your, you know, maybe on a global scale some trivial concerns and when something like that happens it's like you don't worry about the fact that your car needs tires you just go into you know you go do this other thing and you kind of forget about your your 3d um things do you remember <clears throat> excuse me a movie 
I think it came out probably in the 80s, called Starman with... Um, oh, yeah, of course, with uh, Jeff, yeah, uh, Jeff Jeff Daniels. Bridges. Or not Jeff Daniels, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Um, there was a line towards the end of the movie when he was talking about what he'd learned about the human race. And, and he says, when things are at their worst is when you're at your best. And that kind of sums yeah. up... The, I thought about when you were when you were talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it's such a great movie. It is. It is. When you said, you know, Star Seeds, any, any kind of science fiction, um, mm-hmm. that's about all I'll watch. Um, you know, <laughs> um, because it's a Star Trek, a world where we've already achieved. You know, it's like going into the future and fast forwarding. Because that's that's the way our world will be. Um, mm-hmm. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. When people when people walk into your store, can you mm-hmm. pick the star seeds out like they've got a big sticker on their head? Yeah. They do. They do. Yeah. It's it's really neat because you can um, you see twinkle. You see like a little twinkle in their eyes that little bit of sparkle, you know, something in their eyes that says, yeah, you know I'm not from here, right? Um, (laughs) It it looks like you're looking into a galaxy, and there's all these, their energy is different. They feel so light, and um, they feel uh, loving, you know, So, yeah, when they come through, I mean, you sit down and I start talking with them on a one-on-one basis, it doesn't take long to recognize them um, and to kind of help them pinpoint where they're from and um, give them some guidance and some direction. A lot of them, they have never even heard of what a starseed is, Um, you know, uh, if they do, they're kind of sometimes they're taken aback by it a little bit, and you know I have to give them the reassurance that they're not alone in feeling that way. And certainly that I felt that way before I finally mm-hmm. came to terms with it as well. Um, but once they have that understanding, um, you know they they become very comfortable with that. I had uh, and I've had people that I've told them that they were star seeds, and they're like, yeah, I know. And I just got chicken skin, you know. I you're huh? I you finally confirmed something that I have always felt uh, was true, but I've never had anybody tell me that before. Um, so it's it's mm-hmm. so neat to see how people step into their roles as being a starseed because once you acknowledge that, it comes with all of this weighted responsibility, and people are like, "Well, great, now what? What do I do with this now?" And that's part of what this next book is going to be about, too, as long as, as well as being a workbook. It's also going to be like, okay, well, now you know you're a star seed. Like, now what do I do with this? And yeah. everybody is... Yeah, now what? Yeah, now well, what? <laughs> yeah. Me. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great. I am so happy that you are alive and well and functioning and performing your mission and um, once again, I want to remind everybody that you can find Sarah on Facebook at Sarah Starfire. <clears throat> Excuse me. And your book is also on Amazon. And when you get your website up, please do let us know because we can just uh, make a little announcement so that people can follow up. 
And I do hope that if you if you happen to be living um, listeners in in Hawaii um, and you are on Oahu at the Sedona Hawaii Metaphysical um, Bookstore, is that what it is? Basically, a metaphysical shop. Yeah, it's a metaphysical shop. Yeah, it's a beautiful store. Okay. Um, they sell um, crystals and sprays and candles, uh, um, semi-precious gemstones, um, beautiful settings, um, clothing, organic clothing. Wow. Yeah, it's, wow. it's a pretty big store. Kind of one-stop shopping for star seeds. So, yeah. if someone wanted to, if someone wanted to um, have a session with you, and um, how would they go about doing that? They can um, they can call the store, um, and that number is eight zero eight five nine one eight zero one zero. Can um, go on their website at Sedona Hawaii dot com and um, go to the Psychic Readers page and find me. And um, they can schedule a reading online. Or they can um, always call me here. Um, and my home business number is 808... Um, oh, what is my number here? I never use this number. 693-1622, I believe, is my number. Is this the number you're talking on right now? Yeah, uh-huh. That's six three eight one six two two. See, I know I never recall myself. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and do you do long distance sessions as well? I do. I actually did a, a reading for somebody in New York yesterday. So um, I do long distance readings um, and long distance healings as well. Well, great. Well, it has just been a pleasure meeting you and um, hearing about your work and your your book, your new book coming out, um, to the companion book to the Starseeds intro, manual, and handbook. And we thank you so much for sharing your time and your energy and your information with our audience here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and um and um, if your readers or your listeners ever need anything, um, please never hesitate and reach out. I'd love to talk with you guys. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. So. Um, okay. Thank you for being with us, Sarah. All right. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Thank you. So uh, that is it for us here tonight. And uh, from all of us here at Starseed Radio Academy, we thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Good night, everybody. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, 
and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.